Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Let's stand. We're going to read some Bible, and then we're going to preach. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to do a lot of reading today. Um, we're going to do a lot of reading today, and I want to honor um, kind of where we are in our series. Pastor kind of talked to us a little bit about family and, and thinking about the impact of generational um, righteousness and godly living. We're going to continue to flow with that today, and I want to talk to you um, from this, this big passage of Scripture. So we're going to read. I'm going to tell you what we're going to preach on, then we're going to preach, okay? All right, let's read. Um, this is Genesis chapter 6 from verse 9 through verse 22. Y'all with me? All right, here we go. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Oh boy. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark should be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. Let's keep going. I am about to make it rain on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath in it, everything on the earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, two of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Powerful. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. 22 and last, Noah did everything just as God commanded. Let's go to that slide. I want to speak to you today from the subject, the selectively Christian household. The selectively Christian household household. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we bless you. We praise you for this amazing church. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your gospel. Thank you for the opportunity to receive life and become more Christ-like through it. I pray that I would decrease, your word would increase. God, may you be magnified and may everything that happens give you glory. Be the center of everything. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thus selectively Christian household. Genesis chapter 6. The buffet has to be one of the most brilliant things ever invented. People come to a massive spread of hot and cold trays, 
pick and choose whatever they want to eat. Everyone comes to the same table and leaves with a different combination plate. You don't like broccoli, don't eat it. You got a sweet soup, get the cheesecake. You like savory, there's ribs on ribs on ribs at the Golden Corral. At the buffet, you get to customize your plate. You come hungry, you leave happy. At times, we treat the word of God like it is a buffet. I pick and choose the verses that I like, but the things that I'm not feeling today, I'm not eating that. Because I know I'm sinful, I'm going to take a whole helping of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, he's not going to go to hell no more. He's going to have everlasting life. Oh, I want scoops and scoops and scoops of that. But I am not ready to settle my beef with Susie from seventh period. So I'm going to skip over that verse that says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. I'm allergic to that. I'm a pass. I think the problem of the Bible buffet is most noticeable in the ways we approach gender and sexuality. We'll preach, vote, and hold on to pieces of the Bible's sexual ethic and then ignore aspects of the Bible's moral ethic. We'll say marriage is between a man and a woman, okay. The Lord is the Lord of the body, shouldn't be transgendered, God don't make no mistakes, okay. But some other principles like in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path, we ain't doing that. Friends, if a Christian is someone who follows the word of God, sometimes I think it's fair to say I'm not a Christian. If I'm honest, it's more honest to say I'm selectively Christian. That is, God provides a whole spread of word for me to abide by, and I pick this one, and I pick that one, and I live based on that. At times, our values are not based on all scripture, they're based on some scripture. And some of our feelings, and some of our fears, and some of our body's dictates, and some of the pleasures of this world. It's selectively Christian. The Bible is not a buffet. This type of Bible buffet, this type of choosy Christianity, it confuses people. For example... If I say, well, you know, I know my dad said because I'm a boy, he says I shouldn't have a boyfriend, right? Because that doesn't please the Lord. But my dad beats my mom all the time. It's inconsistent. My dad says, hey, there's godly rules around dating, right? You shouldn't let people have certain access to your body. That doesn't please the Lord. But my dad looks at dirty images on the computer all the time. It's selectively Christian. And friends, our young people are picking up on our hypocrisy. No wonder what we say has no value and no voice in their ears. Friends, I'm concerned that we have selectively Christian households where Jesus matters sometimes and then other times he doesn't. Where Jesus is Lord sometimes and other times he's not. Where we're righteous sometimes and then other times we're ratchet. Church, The table that the Lord prepares for us is not a buffet. Old and New Testament, all 66 books are necessary for life and for godliness. There's not a scripture in here that you should say, I ain't doing that. Without being open to all of the word, we're going to be missing the key nutrients we need to survive the onslaught of the enemy at the end of the world. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. All of it that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture, every single hot tray in golden corral is breathed by God. And it's useful, it's good for you for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is not a buffet. You cannot selectively eat the word of God. The word of God is not a buffet. It is our daily bread. It's what the soul needs, needs to be satisfied. But selectively eating, selectively reading, selectively obeying will leave you starving. It's going to leave you hangry. You'll be saved, but you'll be unsatisfied. You'll be saved, but you'll be unstable. You'll be a Christian whose appetite for the world is growing larger and larger and larger because you keep picking and picking at the feast God has prepared for you. Selectively Christian families, selectively Christian marriages, selectively Christian Christians are not equipped to survive this time. Not equipped to survive the end of the world. This is why I want to talk about Noah's family. Because Noah's family literally survives the end of the world. Y'all saw it. God was like, Psh, I'm wiping everybody out. But you and your family, I want to I make, make a covenant with you. I want to talk about what's special about Noah's family. So through Noah's family, I want to look at um, the experience of a family, uh, a Christian household, where godly principles aren't just preached outside, they're practiced inside. It's not a selectively Christian family. It's a Christian family. So I want to make four points, and then we'll be done for today. Um, Let's go where we're going. Thank you so much. Okay, four things I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about the warning. That's going to be our first point. Y'all know me. You got to write this down. The warning. Second point, the woodwork. All in this story, Genesis chapter 6. Our third point, the worst day. Our last point, the wake up. The warning, the woodwork, the worst day, and the wake up. All of this is in Genesis chapter 6. All right. The warning. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned of God, moved in holy fear and built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. The warning. So the American dream is very simple. Have a good spouse, have some good kids, have a good home, have a good job, live in good health, retire with good money, and then die a good death. But the good news of the gospel tells us that life is so much more than this. God's purpose for you, God's purpose for your family, is that you serve Jesus, you win others to Jesus, and you grow in your love for Jesus so that when it starts raining and pouring, you don't turn back. You see, God's word gives us a different way of viewing life. God's word tells us that there's an eternity coming. 
God's word tells us that we all have a sin nature that needs to be crucified every single day. God's word tells us that there's a kingdom of God that lives inside of us. God's word tells us that there's a kingdom of darkness that you have to trample on every day you get out of bed. God's word tells us that there's a judgment day coming for which we'll be accountable for everything we did in this body, whether good or whether bad. And if you're saved, this message of the good news has to be preached first in your home. God's plan is for our households to be places where we raise disciples. God's plan is for our households to be where we introduce people to the love of Jesus and they experience the love of Jesus in ways that they won't with me for one hour on a Wednesday night. God's plan for our houses is to be places where we sharpen each other in our discipleship and grow in our love for Jesus. Friends, if y'all share a bed, y'all share DNA, y'all share a dinner time, y'all need to be sharing a savior. That's the only way our families are going to survive the flood. This is what Noah does. God speaks to Noah and Noah speaks to his family and he says, hey, y'all, there's a flood coming. We got to build this ark. When you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, God will talk to you about you and he'll also talk to you about the people connected to you, including your family. God will give you ideas for your good and their good. He'll give you words of, words of warning for your good and their good. He'll give you ideas for your future and their future. But what the Lord says to you and I, friends, we're responsible for. It's a warning. We can't act like we don't know. We have to approach life and parenting and relationships differently because we know what's at stake. We've been warned of God, and now we warn our families. You see, in a selectively Christian household, mom knows the word, but she's so concerned that baby girl won't like her that she keeps her mouth shut. She don't talk about that. In a selectively Christian household, auntie is super devout when she goes to church, but at home she knows, yeah, my friends, they're not going to like me, so I'm just just not going to talk about that. But you've been warned of God, and now it's in your hands to give to your family. When God warns Noah, Noah warns his children and warns his wife and warns the in-laws. Say, hey, y'all, gather up. This is what we talked about in church today. Let's have our own family devotion. Because what God gave me, I'm giving to you. That's the Christian household. Friends, please leave your young people, leave your relations more than your famous chili recipe and your last name. Pass down the word of God that warns of the judgment that's coming. Pass down the word of God that speaks of the goodness of God. That's why God gave it to you, and that's why God gave you to them. Are you passing down the warning that God gave you? You and I, based on the word of God, know how to escape the chaos of this world right now. 
You and I, because of the word of God, know the way out of this mess that we're in right now. You and I, because of the word of God, know about the judgment that is coming. But brothers and sisters, have you told your children? Children, have you told your parents? Have you told your siblings? Have you told your best friend? Have you told your spouse? Pass down the warning or they may just drown in the flood that's coming. The warning. Let's keep moving. The woodwork. This is Genesis chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build the ark. Time out. There are so many ways people think you can be a Christian. Oh, this is my Christianity. This is your Christianity. Do what you want. Listen, God is very specific about what's going to float and what's going to drown. Oh, yeah, that's, just, that's the way you do it. That's, are you? This is why I'm reading this stuff. Verse 15, this is how you are to, this is how you are to serve the Lord. This is how you are to love Jesus. This is how you are to read your Bible. This is how you are supposed to grow in your discipleship. Very specific. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below a roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower and middle and upper decks. You don't know why God asked you to do what he asked you to do until it starts raining and you're glad you were obedient. The woodwork. Noah got the warning and went to work building the only thing God said is going to float. In selectively Christian households, we get the warning, but we get too busy doing work, too busy doing homework, too busy with our housework, and we forget that none of our work is fireproof. None of our work is disaster-proof. None of these things will survive the flood. God said to Noah, listen, man, only the ark is going to float. Anything outside the ark is going to drown. Anything inside the ark is going to be safe. And he said, honey, grab the kids, grab their wives. This is where we're going to be. Because this is the only thing that's going to survive the end of the world. Your job security won't float in the flood, friends. Your college degree, your 401k, your white picking fence ain't going to float in the flood. The word of God is what the wood represents. The wood that Noah was using to build the ark, it, it represents applying the word of God necessary to build an ark that will survive the flood. And only a person who applies the word of God to their lives will avoid drowning in the world's filth. Brother Kavar, how comes I'm not making it as a Christian? Are you applying the word? No, then stop asking me stupid questions. It's a flood. You need an ark. Right? Y'all see this in the scripture? The woodwork. The occasional prayer time, the occasional obedience to the word, the occasional church attendance is not going to float in the flood. It's not going to work. 
picking up a plank here and there. I got this really cool scripture that I learned in 1997 in Sunday school from Miss Susie. Not going to work. You need, who is Susie? I don't know. <laughs> we need an ark. You and your family won't survive the world's chaos by holding on to a plank. Y'all ever seen Titanic? One room on that plank, allegedly, for two people. So how in the world do you think your family is going to survive a chaotic time with one random scripture every now and then? We're going to drown in the flood, friends, unless we build an ark. So what does it look like to build an ark? Very practical. Parents, guardians, leaders. Make it clear to your young people. Make it clear to those people who are in your um, purvance of responsibility how the Bible motivates your decision-making. Give them a scripture for why you do what you do. Why are we showing up to church again on a Sunday? Why are we giving these tithes and offering? Dad, sister so-and-so just cursed you out. How come she don't curse her back? Give them the scriptures for why you do what you do. What are you doing? You're building an ark. Tell them, listen, I know other families are making other kinds of choices, but after me and my house, this is what we're going to do because this is what the Bible says right here. Read it for yourself. Don't be so quick to just tell them, it's my world. I say it, mess my house, you know, abide by my rules. That's cool, but if you want them to know godly principles, give God some credit. Jesus said this, that's why I do it. Not, this is my world and I'm the man and but friends. When they go to college, what are they going to do? Well, my father said, this is his world and this what? No. An ark, friends, not mom and dad's opinions. Help your young people pray about issues and know how to hear the voice of God for themselves on issues. Even if you have a preference on that issue. Mom, I think I love him. All right, honey, let's pray. Let's pray. What does the Lord say? I don't know. Let's pray again. Why? Because one day, mom, dad, you will be gone. And if you don't teach him or her how to pray, they're going to be praying to you, talking to your ghost. That's why that happens. Let the voice of God be more important than your voice. Let the voice of God be more important than your opinion. That's how you build an ark. Share with your young people how you surrender to the word of God even when you want to do something different. Let them know you're human and there's a thing in the word that you, oh man, I wish I could do this, but the Bible says this, so honey, I'm doing this right here. Let them see you die to your flesh. Let them see that. Remember, Noah built an ark for everybody, including himself. This is how you show your family that the scripture isn't something you're using to control them. It's something you're using to control you and your desires Mm -hmm. and your flesh. We're trying to pass down the word of God. And it's more than tradition. We're working the wood because you've been warned of God. You're trying to save generations to come from the flood. But only the wood works. Only the word is going to work. The warning, the woodwork. Let's keep moving. Talk about the worst day. 
the worst day. Genesis chapter 9. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. So, friends, this is after they survived the flood. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and was like, oh, I'm going to get these boys. We're going to laugh at dad. Look at him, hypocrite. Right? He out here talking about righteousness. Look at him. I call him looking at that porn. That's what this is. We're going to make fun of him because we saw him in the flesh on his worst day. But Shem and Japheth, his two other brothers, took a garment and said, Nah, man, honor your father. And they covered dad. They walked backwards. They covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. The worst day. Noah received the warning. He did the woodwork. His family survived the floodwaters, and it seemed like the worst was now over. Life went on. But now we see a different side of Noah than we saw before the flood and during the flood. We saw a man who was hard at work preaching the gospel. Here we see a drunk man, naked. He was fine with the water, Stumbled with the wine. Here's my question as I read this story. Why is it that as times got better, Noah's behavior got worse? This is the preacher. The builder. The one warned of God. The one who moved with fear to save his whole family. And a few years later, times later, with the bottle. And his sons have to be like, yo, dad. Dad. Wake up. Here's how this happens. Noah did not stay on his guard in the good days. In pandemic, oh, Jesus, we need you now more than ever. Post-pandemic, we all good, man. I got my Moderna. Church, the word of God is not meant to carry us from storm to storm. The word of God is meant to get us from earth to heaven. And until you have experienced that resurrection, you need your daily bread. Please don't let the end of a pandemic make you lose your desperation for God's voice. Don't let your children's good behavior and whatever, they got a good job, make you lose the need to hear the voice of the Lord for them and your own life. The enemy is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the moment you relax and think everything is good and you loosen your grip, that's where he's going to attack you. Even if you just survived a flood. He couldn't get you in the boat, he'll get you with the bottle. He couldn't get you on a Sunday, he'll see you Sunday night. (laughs) Sisters and brothers, some of you have such great, amazing testimonies. You have survived some floods, but guess what? The devil still desires you. Some temptations are so subtle and seem so innocent, but they will embarrass you and leave you exposed, doing things you never thought you'd do. 
This is why we always need to hear the voice of God. Not, and we need God to help us be consistent so we don't start the days in the spirit and then end the day in the flesh. Our, our past victories, no matter how many giants you've conquered, they don't make you immune from future failure. Save today, no guarantee you're going to be saved next year. If you don't keep applying the word of God every single day to your life. We need the word of God to be faithful Christians. We don't want to be selective Christians. What's most sad about this scene to me is that Noah fails right in front of his family. Like his boys see him on his worst day. Like these are the boys he preached to. These are the boys who he said, "Lo, we got to apply the wood here. These are the boys he taught in Royal Rangers. These are the boys he taught in Wednesday night service. Yeah, these are the boys he baptized. These are the boys he told, hey man, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul. He taught them this, and now they see him naked, drunk, on his worst day. It's probably very confusing and jarring for these boys to look at dad this way. I mean, to see their father, preacher, passed out. Like, they only ever saw him with the Bible. They never knew he knew Bacardi. Now, what's interesting in this story is that the young men have very different responses to the father. Ham, the first son to see him, tried to expose him and shame him. So he called his brothers to laugh at dad. Again, oh, you're a hypocrite. You out here talking about live holy before Jesus. I saw the porn on your phone. I screenshotted it. Now you can never talk to me again. Every time you want to get me to come to Wednesday night, I'm going to show you that picture of that thing I saw you looking at. They saw him on his worst day. Friends, think about it. They saw him on his worst day. And he said, you know what, Dad, I'm going to use that against you. So you'll never again talk to me about prayer because I heard you cursing at mom. The other boys saw their father at his weakest moment. And they said, you know what? Let's cover Dad because this is, this is not his best, but we know this is not really who he is. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, Dad, listen, I, I know you said that unkind thing yesterday, but remember, we're a Christian family, so let's, let's, let's pray about that and let's fix it. What does it mean for us as parents to raise children who can one day cover us? One day correct us. One day love us back from our worst day. That's the goal, friends. That's the goal. Now, church, I want to be clear. I'm not excusing sin. But please remember that your Christian children, your Christian parents, your Christian in-laws, whoever, on their best days are still sinners saved by grace. And so there may be a time when you see them on their worst day. It's called family. How will you treat them on their worst day? Is there room in your household for grace that covers on their worst day? Or are they dead to you until they shape up? In a selectively Christian household, we tell folks to carry their cross without showing them how to carry it or helping them carry it. In a Christian household, however, we extend mercy. The same way Jesus showed us mercy. And we help Noah when Noah falls. The warning, the woodwork, the worst day. All right, last one. The wake up. Genesis 9. When Noah 
awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done, the one that screenshotted it, the one that held it against him, he said, curse be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. You want to hear that from your father? He also said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years. Then he died. The warning, the woodwork, the worst day, the wake up. Eventually, Noah woke up from the worst day. And he lived to serve the Lord for a very long time. That thing that took him out didn't keep him out. That thing that shocked his family that they thought, oh man, I can't believe he backslid and went to that stuff. Guess what? He came back to the Lord. That thing they could not believe he got involved in. Oh, Brother Kavar, did you see that video? He came back home, found his place. Friends, can I encourage you to put the name of your lost loved one right there in the text? And Kavar woke up from his wine. Right now, person you're caring about, person you're loving, person you're praying for, you know they know better, but they're not doing better. But guess what? Noah woke up from his wife. Friends, I know right now we all have loved ones who we're deeply disappointed in. It looks like they're in cycles that, man, like, you know better. Come on, you know this is not good for you. But anybody can wake up. There's no bondage Jesus cannot break. We're the ones that get tired of believing. But God does not quit on people. In fact, the scripture says he's married to the backslider. I'm telling you, church, for Noah who's asleep, keep loving, keep praying, keep covering. Because one day they'll wake up. The one who is struggling with the wine today, tomorrow they'll be back worshiping. They'll wake up. Love them at their worst. They'll wake up. The close of this story shows us that how we treat people on their worst day will determine the quality of our relationship with them when they return home. How will your Noah remember you when they wake up? Will you regret the things you said to them on their worst day? Will you regret how you shamed them on their worst day? Will you reject how you kicked them to the side on their worst day? Or have you left a bridge, an open door? That they can cross so that when they wake up, they can come back into full fellowship. How are you treating Noah on his worst day? We don't want folks to wake up and walk back into our homes and walk back into our churches loved by Jesus, but traumatized by us.
We don't want Noah walking back into our church afraid that I'm going to leak the, leak the photos that I have. That I'm not going to let brother Noah or sister Noah sing on the team again because I know what he did. We need to be a bridge church. So that when Noah wakes up, he steps back into family. Not condemnation. Church, let's be careful how we treat Noah on his worst day. Because he's going to wake up. And we want him to remember the church's care. Not our hate. Not our disgust. The warning. The woodwork. The worst day. The wake up. We don't want to be selectively Christian households. We want to be homes where the Christian, where the Christ where the Christ of Christians are like, where he's glorified and magnified. That's what we want. Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Parents, young people, have you received a warning from the Lord? Do you know what God is saying? Because what he has given you, you are now responsible for passing down in your home, in your school. And if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You need to be building an ark, not wasting your time. Are you listening to the word of the Lord for your families? Are you praying about your families? Are you praying for your children? Are you praying for your loved ones? Are you listening to the good ideas God has for them? Or are they not a priority for you? God put you in that family to save them from the end of the world. Brother Noah, Sister Noah, it's time to build the ark. Are you doing the woodwork? Do you know the word? Are you applying the word? Are you teaching the word? Are you rehearsing the word? Parents, young people, this is your responsibility. Don't look for another. It's on you. We need to do more than just hold a plank. We need to live based on God's daily bread. It is life for us. Are you loving Noah on his worst day? Brother Noah, Sister Noah, are you living right now your worst day? It's time to come home. Time to wake up. Here's what I want to do. Here's how we're going to pray. Parents, guardians, if your children are here, would you find them and come together with the altar? Your children are here. Your grandchildren are here. Find them. Hold their hands and come to the altar. What we're going to do today is we're going to have families pray for families. We're going to have sons and daughters pray for parents, mom and dad pray for each other because this is how you build an ark. What we do here at this altar, you need to be doing tonight when you get home. Tomorrow when they're going through their worst day, this is what you need to do. Young people, we are a part of this. We can be like Shem and Japheth and cover our parents. We can pray God's best over our parents. We can pray God's will over their marriages and their futures. Husbands, you can be praying for your wives, praying over their health, praying over their finances. Grandparents, aunties, whoever you're responsible for, they are your responsibility. If the word is in your mouth, it needs to be in theirs. You share more than DNA. You share more than taxes. You need to share the ark.
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.